I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with a chat about getting back outside and making the most of every square inch of available space. You know you want to. You might think the dead of winter is not the best time to talk about outdoor entertaining. Creatives coast to coast are experimenting with outdoor spaces in climate-challenged environments from sub-freezing to blazing desertscapes. When the ultimate challenge is finding ways to activate space year-round, that's when design gets interesting. This is a conversation that was recorded in January of this year with a focus on figuring out how new ideas in landscape architecture and activated outdoor spaces can exponentially increase the the size of a home, the functional size of a home. The following chat was moderated by Urban Bonfire's Ryan Bloom and features designers Ariel Johnson and David Dalton, as well as architect Douglas Burge. You're going to hear strategies from some of the best in the business. So let's take this outside, shall we? Are you subscribing to the podcast? If not, please do so you get every episode automatically when they're published. You can find Convo by Design everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And now you can find us on designnetwork.org, a destination dedicated to podcasts, all things design and architecture. So make sure to check it out. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger a fantastic company and an equally fantastic design partner. While the Walker Zanger brand was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do their best work, there's far more to it than that. Yes, that promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But at the heart is a family-owned and operated business that provides stunning surfaces for a well-designed home and does it to make designers and architects do their best work for their clients. Walker Zanger started in 1952, and they are absolutely one of the best trade partners a designer can have. Check out their newest collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. And they provide homeowners with the materials that dream kitchens and baths are made of. Check out any of their 14 showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. I want to thank everyone for, for tuning into this and watching this conversation. Extremely excited about this. We're talking about taking it outside and entertaining activating outdoor spaces. And I love that we're talking about this in the dead of winter, uh, because you've got, you know, you got a few of us out here in Southern California, where it was 85 degrees a week ago, you got Ryan, who's sitting in Montreal, Canada, who what it was, it was 32 degrees Fahrenheit, zero Celsius a couple of days ago. Oh, yeah, that that was last week. And then it's it's cooled down considerably since then. I'm sitting at about minus 12 Celsius at the moment. And Thursdays are the days that I walk to work. So my wife can take my daughter to school. So I did a 45 minute walk this morning at that temperature. Wow. I love it. So with that, I, we're I'm really 70. I'm really 78 years old. <laughs> my skin works very well. The cold keeps me look. Go ahead. Sorry, Josh. That's probably what you're talking about there. I love that. Um, but that's also why we're talking about this, because we have learned a few things in the last 10 months that has already started over the last couple of years about outdoor spaces, your kitchen outdoors, activating these outdoor spaces. And this group of professionals, you guys, I, I have such admiration for you, which is why I'm so excited and, and appreciative that you agreed to do this. So as far as introductions go, I, Ryan, I will leave it to you. I will turn this over to Ryan Bloom, uh, co-founder of Urban Bonfire, produces you know, amazing outdoor kitchens. And uh, with that expertise and the fact that you have your own podcast now, which I, I'm extremely excited about, Ryan hosts uh, the Fireside Chat, which is Urban Bonfire's official podcast. So you are now in capable hands. And uh, Ryan, I will, I will leave it to you. Well, Josh, you're, you're, you're too kind. So thank you, first of all, for uh, the honor of being asked to moderate this with, with the guests that we have is, is quite, uh, quite something for me. So, uh, and I don't take it lightly, so thank you. Um, 
Again, as Josh said, I'm Ryan Bloom, and I, I want to talk very little. I really want this to be all about our guests. So if I can ask uh, our three panelists today to take a minute, a minute and a half, whatever works, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your firm, and also if I can add in differently than sometimes other moderators, um, what the outdoor world means to you in your practice at a basic sort of level. And David, love to hear from you first. Okay, so I'm David Dalton. Uh, name of my company is David Dalton Inc. And I've been doing interior design for a million years, uh, more than 30. And we do a combination of both commercial and residential, including a lot of new construction residential and uh, hospitality, a lot of medical work and uh, retail, restaurant, a little bit of everything. We work all over the planet. So it's interesting to see the question of outdoor living is very different in Southern California than it is uh, if we're working in Oxford, England, for instance, or in Haifa, Israel. But, um, but it's important regardless of where you are, it's just very different uh, dependent on weather. So I, appreciate uh, outdoor spaces personally because I was a manufacturer of outdoor furniture for about 15 years. And that gave me a very different uh, relationship to the idea of outdoor living and what it means and how it should be furnished and what it looks like. So it's, a, it's been an intense focus of mine for many years. Um, Thank yeah. you very much, David. Welcome and glad, very happy to have you. Ariel, yeah. how are you, Ariel? I'm well. Thank you for having me today. Um, I'm in good company, Doug and uh, David. Um, big fans of yours. Um, yeah, so I'm owner and principal of Ariel Fox Design, and I started the company in 2008. I had been working in hospitality, and the market crashed, so I decided to just hustle and uh, do it for less, you know, take on <laughs> projects, and I really took on everything um, in the beginning, but I really fell into multifamily. Um, our portfolio pretty much is 95% new construction multifamily right now. And we're really focused in California, but we also have expanded into different regions of the United States. But um, we have a really great specialty in that particular market. Um, and outdoor spaces is, is a foundation of multifamily, um, really from the beginning, like we have been focusing on how to really amenitize the outdoors, especially, I agree with David, right? It's, it's very regional, depends on where you are. But in, in any region now, I mean, we've experienced a pandemic. So in every region, there is a need for it. And I think there's been uh, a, lot of, a lot of money and attention that has gone to outdoor spaces and, and, and really like maximizing what we can do out there. Could not agree more. Thank you. And I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at your work and uh, it really is very, it's a pleasure to see. And I, I, am, I am a big fan. Um, and the, the anchor, Doug, <laughs> who I've actually had uh, the pleasure of having on, on the Urban Bonfire podcast, actually our first guest ever and having met you at, at West Edge, seems like a many, many worlds ago from where we sit uh, today, although it was only about 17 months ago. Doug, uh, please tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, your firm. All right, well, uh, it's my honor actually to be involved with this group. Uh, this is gonna be fun. Uh, a little bit about myself, I grew up in Southern California. Um, so the basis of our business uh, ended up moving to Malibu, California, which is not a bad spot. And we've been there for about 30 years practicing. Um, I've also, um, during the 80s and 90s, I had an office down in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, and we currently also have a satellite office up in Sun Valley, Idaho. I'm licensed in Montana and Wyoming and Idaho and California and starting some jobs in Texas. And so we really are kind of all over the map. Um, and we really pretty much were known for our residential work, custom residential work. And lately we've been doing a lot of hospitality, which is kind of fun. I see there's a lot of synergy between that, between obviously designing a house to feel like a boutique hotel, designing a boutique hotel to feel like a house. And so obviously the outdoor spaces is important. And what's interesting is that I'm 
going back and forth between a cold climate and a warm climate. But as we're going to be talking later, um, even the, the importance of outdoor spaces in a cold climate. And you can create outdoor rooms, you could open them and close them as the, the heat um, is, is needing to be um, uh, heating the space. And so we're going to talk later how important that is. It's not just your typical thinking, hey, beautiful weather, we have an outdoor space, but it's really integrating that. And also with the multifamily, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. So, hey, listen, um, I call um, our business the passion profession because uh, mm. we wake up every day and someone pays us to design their place. And I couldn't be any happier of love what we do. Um, we have a great staff and look forward to talking more about um, working um, with outdoor spaces. Amazing. Thank you very much, Doug. David, I want to come to you with first first question, and it's actually in direct response to the way you described yourself and, and your firm. And you brought the word interior design in, and I, I know that categorically or by definition, that's correct. Before today's panel, I spent a lot of time uh, researching on your, on your various sites, your social media platforms. And David, when I go to your site and on your homepage, I see these very big, bold, um, topics or subjects, lounge, cook, dine, entertain, bathe, sleep, play. And you say interior, when I go, for example, to your entertain section, which drew me first, the vast majority of imagery in that particular section is outdoor space. It is. I'm also seeing a lot of the historic term interior design or interior design firms dropping the term interior and saying, now we are a designer. Maybe interior is a little bit limiting. Help me understand as a historic interior designer with tremendous experience in outdoor, having been, to your, to your point, a manufacturer for a number of years in the outdoor specialty. Tell me how you and your firm have evolved, if it has, to embrace outdoors. Because obviously in your, in your projects, in, in, in your site, you, you boast them with tremendous pride, confidence, and, and beauty. Well, I've always thought the, the term interior design is a little bit limiting because as a practice, we're involved in design on a daily basis, but not limited to interiors. We design exterior spaces. We sometimes do landscaping. We design a lot of product. And so the word interior designer or decorator or just designer is, uh, I think we use them because it's what other people recognize. Mm -hmm. I always liked the idea that uh, we weren't limited to just designing interiors because I think it would be a huge disservice not to include the exterior and interiors together as one concept when we're looking at uh, how to approach an individual project. And whether that's a single family house, a hotel or a multi-unit, um, development, we still approach things from the same perspective that we're looking for a way to define materials both inside and outside that speak to each other, that are involved in the same dialogue, at least, and that really, and more and more so today, more so than ever, we're looking at how to make the line between interior and exterior more seamless or invisible, mm -hmm. um, sometimes how to make it absolutely disappear because uh, I think it's, it's most certainly um, it's very popular in Los Angeles to have these spaces that uh, have disappearing walls, mm -hmm. though that the definition of interior and exterior space is really almost irrelevant. You're um, absolutely right. And it is really the way that people love experiencing the outdoors when you're in weather that allows that. Uh, we really approach designing outdoor spaces in inclement weather uh, areas in the same way. We still wanna make them for the time that you're going to be outside. We still wanna make them service all of the activities that you imagine you're gonna do there, um, which is everything from watching movies to uh, cooking and preparing food to swimming and enjoying uh, sure. water activities, all of which sure. can be done in that sort of seamless environment of 
inside and outside either way. Right. Um, and you know, what? I, and I want to, I want to bring that cause it's a great segue to, to Doug who, who mentioned in his introduction, the idea of doing projects in both warm and cold climates and, and Doug, uh, you know, with practice and, you know, office in, in Sun Valley and, and in Malibu and, you know, where you do work to David's point about the ideal scenario and programming and planning and designing based on some climatic impacts as someone who has a practice in really both ends of the temperature and weather spectrum as you do can you talk a little bit about from a consumer psychology perspective are there vastly different demands requests on space based on climate or at the core and at its essence are people really seeking the same types of things with weather and climate-based tweaks on uh, materials, investment, things, things of that nature. Help, help us understand this a little bit. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, this is actually a ski town that we're in, um, you know, so it's considered a second home um, town, um, even though there's a lot of people that live here full time in places like this, people are moving to mountain towns all the time now, um, especially during COVID. Um, what's happened is that, you know, most people's first homes are in, let's say, a better climate, a warmer climate, and then they have a ski house. So, but they, when we're doing their homes, they, we, the challenge is, is that we say, no, we still want a barbecue. We still want to have an, a great outdoor a dining room. We still want to have spaces to sit around a fireplace or a fire pit. And even if it was drizzling, even if it was not necessarily the coldest weather. So the challenge for us in the last few homes that we've done is that we have to provide those spaces. So how do you do it? It's, it's almost like we did another job in Houston, Texas, and the guy wanted all this outdoor patio. I said, well, just air condition it. I go, <laughs> air condition the patio, you know, because it's humid in Texas. And I go, ah, it's okay, I'll pay for it, right? <laughs> so, but you don't necessarily have to deal with that. But the weather is important. So what we do is we'll look at this and it's like, okay, this is a this wants to be an all-year-round room. So it's so easy nowadays with the bifolding doors and the doors that go in the pockets that they are weatherproof. So I can still provide this. And it might even start out cold, but it might get warmer or vice versa. And so you can just move those doors. It's it, you bring the outdoor finishes into that space. So it doesn't look like an interior room, but there's so many, every single home that we're doing has that. And it has that room. It's maybe closed all the time for most of the winter, but then you're in it, you feel like you're outside. So mm -hmm. the integration of the exterior materials, the pavings, the ceiling material, the lighting, but then you get into the outdoor heaters, you get into the appliances and you, in the case of bonfire where it's all built in and you don't, you don't even know. And so that's the challenge is to try to get that. So you don't, a guest or whoever just doesn't realize, oh, I'm on an outdoor patio. And then right. boom, the weather also got nicer, you pulled the doors back. So that's been the fun thing that we've been doing. And to me, like every house has to have an awesome outdoor place to have dinner, right? So where you sit there with wine and, or, or the word socialize actually will be coming part of our vocabulary at some point yeah. again, right? <laughs> so that'll be kind of fun. But um, we, we look forward to that. And um, we love to do this type of design. It's kind of integral in our, our projects. You just said something really on point, and it's going to lead directly into what I want to ask Ariel about, which is that every home or every space needs an outdoor place to dine or have a counterpart. Um, and that is interesting in that if you have your own home, regardless of size, in most cases, there is some form of outdoor space that can be activated. And Ariel, I want to shift this to you in terms of your area of specialty in multifamily, because in many cases in multifamily, space is at a minimum. Um, and I want to bring it back to you, if I can, with a bit of a, uh, an anecdote or a story. I remember about two and a half years ago, it was winter. I was walking through Toronto, Canada, Canada's largest city. And I saw the construction site of a massive luxury condo tower and Toronto is just in an absolute boom. I think it's now in the top five largest cities in, in North America. Um, and I remarked to myself, here is a place that for all intents and purposes, it is winter six months a year, depending on how you want to define winter. And I looked at the, as most luxury buildings and developments do, all of the beautiful billboards and renderings and all of these things that are trying to entice the potential buyer with the vision 
vision of what it would be like to live there. And I remarked that four out of the six renderings and billboards were about outdoor space. And I, I actually stopped and made note that here is a luxury developer in Canada where you are effectively leveraging or promoting something that is common area that you're not actually going to own yourself. You're going to get to use. And it's something you're going to use in very small amounts of time. I want to shift it back to you, obviously being in, in California, very different weather patterns, but what has led you to focusing your practice on multifamily and what are developers, the visionaries behind the projects that you work on? What is their, what is their connection to outdoors? Is it something that they have to do, want to do, the economics make sense, or it's just what today's consumer is demanding and this is them addressing the needs of their buyer. Help, help me understand that in, in your specific area of practice. Sure. You know, I love multifamily because it, it, it really is like taking a hotel and a, a single family residence and kind of mashing it together. You know, you want to create this, this lifestyle um, and a community, really, you're building communities of, of people here. Um, and so with that, you know, we, we address our projects in a number of ways in the beginning. Like we're looking at our region, right? Depending on where we are, um, it can affect the, the amenities, the, the common spaces, um, and the type of residents we're wanting to attract. Uh, and so we create a story around that. Um, but even now, you know, we've got a, a project in Seattle, you know, we've got a project in, in Texas. Um, and even those projects, there's a really heavy laser focus on the outdoor spaces because, you know, even in the six months of good weather or four months or whatever it is, there is a, a massive celebration of like the weather, like everybody wants to be outside. Sure. It's kind of funny. I almost feel like in California, people take it for granted because it's just, it's 72 beautiful every day. But in Seattle, when it's not raining, it's like, oh my God, let's go outside and have lunch and let's do work out here. So I think that there is much more appreciation for outdoor spaces in, in different regions. And then in Texas, right, when it's not, you know, 100 degrees and humid. Um, so, you know, we, we uh, there's usually a pool, right? There's usually a, a spa. There's usually uh, an outdoor entertaining area. Um, obviously, barbecues are everywhere, um, and then there's outdoor gaming has been a big one. Mm. So we've got outdoor pool tables and cornholes and Jenga and outdoor movie theaters and outdoor dog runs and, um, outdoor, you know, bike kitchens. So you can kind of fix up your bike and, um, really everything that you could do inside, we're really trying to take outside. And I think most recently since COVID, the big amenity outdoors has been outdoor officing. So hmm. we're putting in, we're making sure Wi-Fi is, you know, readily available and we're doing a lot more kind of electrical plugins and work surfaces um, outside with shade, you know, and, and rain protection. Um, hmm. So that's been, I think, a, a new ad uh, since COVID. So uh, thank you. I mean, that's it. It's so interesting. And I, I actually wanted to bring up COVID because it would be, I think, insensitive for me to not bring it up. But I also don't want to position this discussion that suddenly, just because of COVID, the outdoors is popular and, and growing. It has been on a, you'll forgive the yeah. Canadian analogy, it has been on a hockey stick like growth curve for the last decade. I but, agree. You know, biophilia, right? Biophilia, I feel like, was. Really coming into our language um, like two years ago where, you know, we all of a sudden put more plants in our office and in our homes and um, and there's science behind it. Right. This like forest bathing, like it makes you happier to be around other living things. <laughs> Completely agree. And as you know, as we as technology allows for improvement in quality of craftsmanship, materials, things like that, it makes it far easier for, for those things to actually emerge. Um, circling back on COVID, and, and I'd like to bring this question really to each of you, and David, I'd like to start with you. Um, at a macro level, how has COVID changed your business, if it has? Um, 
And specifically, has it changed the type of discussions you are having with clients, both existing and potential, on what they are envisioning for their home or restaurant or hotel or regardless of the project typology, because I know you work on a vast array of project typologies. Just what is the change in psychology that you can note in the last almost year? Well, it's a great question because the I, I think the answer is really interesting. In the beginning, I had a, a strong resistance to the idea that we were going to change the way we did anything because of COVID, because I really thought we have to look at this as temporary and we have to imagine this as something that isn't threatening. Uh, that really did, that has sort of evolved into a different response now. I think in the beginning, my I was focused on let's design for optimal health, regardless of uh, this, what's happening in the world regarding the pandemic. We were in the middle of a big hotel project, which has uh, now been canceled because of COVID, because it was a, a, a giant, you know, half a billion dollar development that um, lost all of its funding. So I was very clear that we were gonna stay focused on optimal health, regardless of uh, the pandemic circumstance. So we were looking at the spa design in a very different way, um, both interior and, out and exterior spaces while we were designing this spa as part of the hotel environment and thinking, would it really matter if there was a pandemic? Would the design of the physical environment really change? If we're designing for optimal health, distancing is a really minor consideration. If we're designing for optimal health, then we're really infusing into the design on every level, the idea that materials have to lend themselves to that idea of optimal health, that social configurations for lounge furniture, for instance, have to also contribute to that. It became a different, way of approaching the idea of design that I think really is gonna have a very lasting impact. So if I could say anything about how did COVID change anything, I would say that it's made me more focused on what optimal health really is and how you then define the physical environment by those terms, which right. you know, is a, it's a fairly abstract concept. And so I, I don't know that I could um, cite the answers without um, using different analogies and, and because it changes yeah. depending on the type of space we're talking about. But the, the basic bottom line of that is that if we're designing for health, then it does really drive certain decisions about material palette, about uh, color choices, about spacing. Um, I don't know that that's going to end up being covid related, but it is going to be a result of what comes out of this experience. Absolutely. Well said. Um, Doug, I, I'm going to weave in COVID, but I, I remember first when we met at, uh, at West Edge and I saw your uh, Boo House uh, concept. And I remember one of our first discussions was uh, some of your design and some of your um, work in terms of forward thinking was the idea that, and it was in context of the of the fires where someone's home that had been destroyed by a brutal fire. And while that land or while that is being redeveloped, re-engineered, re-architect, re the boo house was either potentially temporary or in certain cases, semi-permanent. So you're no stranger to adapting design around real life scenarios, not necessarily pandemic, but natural disaster and environmental as an example. Is COVID different? How, how are you in a similar type of way with, with your experience in this field? How is this impacting you and, and, and your practice? Doug, I think your mic is off. I think you gotta just, there you go. Yeah, just, just um, as a, 
as an architect, um, I think that what's, what there's a lot more discussion now about uh, indoor air quality. And, um, and it's not, you think about it, I mean, COVID is a virus and, you know, people were always getting sick or people had the flu or they had other things that they were going through. Um, so it's really, there's a company called uh, Delos. They have like a, a program where you are working with interior lighting, for instance, circadian rhythms and the whole ventilation, whether it's natural ventilation or mechanical ventilation, that is very much a, let's just say more of a forefront or top uh, discussion point right now. And, uh, and it was, you know, thought about before, but it's really important now. It's like the first things our clients are asking us, Hey, what about the air quality? What about the air movement? What about this? And, you know, their families have been all at home now. So they were obviously home before during the, uh, during the evening, but they were mostly not there during the day. So mm -hmm. um, now there's more people at home during the day. And so uh, there are a lot of climate areas that obviously you're more cooped up inside. So the, the, the mechanical distribution of air quality is more important than if you could just open a few windows and doors and get natural ventilation. Mm -hmm. But the point is, that's a, a, a something that's come out of COVID that we are working with our mechanical engineers a lot more now in just the air quality, because that's an airborne type of, you know, a virus. So yes. we need to take care of it that way. Obviously, hey, let's design some more outdoor spaces. Let's take our office conference rooms. And why can't we make that feel like an outdoor room? Um, sure. We can move our media um, so it's more outdoor in those outdoor rooms. So getting the ventilation is the key. And so it's the design decorating, but I think this is here to stay because it's just, it's going to help just hopefully make a healthier home. So a home or a hotel room or anything that you're going to be in for a while, you can just think of it as being healthier. And it's because of COVID. I think we've just thought about it a lot more and we're working with that as a very important part of our designs. I want to shift the question on this point to Ariel because, and if you don't mind, Ariel, I want to bring a little bit of context to this, and it's going to be very relevant to, to you and, and your area of practice. Um, I, I'm sure you all know, and, and most of our audience will know about this worldwide move towards urbanity. And I use the number uh, in 1950, 25% of the world's population lived in urban settings, 75% rural. And by 2050, the prediction is that number will have inverted itself, where 75% of the world's population everywhere, Africa, Asia, North America, will live in urban cities. And a lot of that is around the psychology of wanting to be around people. And Ariel, you mentioned community, pool, cooking, I want to be in a community, the resort environment, the 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 size of my room is not as important if I'm having a kick-ass time outside around the pool with my friends. And, and that just makes total sense. But for a long time, this move towards, and, and the baby boomer generation, foregoing 5,000 square feet on three acres for 1,500 square feet and a 20 by 20 deck has been the norm because they want to be around farmer's markets and yoga and all these things. And there's been this major push of bringing people together as really the, the desired outcome of this. And yet COVID has basically said either directly or subliminally, we don't actually want you to be together. We now actually have to distance you and pull you apart. Are you seeing this as an, and, and I believe that this will go away over time as things come back to quote unquote normal, but have you seen an impact in your practice of the, the more elusive sort of response to common area, shared, who is my neighbor? Are they safe? Do I have to wear a mask? Do I not? Help, help us understand that in, in your specific practice. Such a good question. There's so much, so many things, so many angles I can speak to on this. Um, you know, amenities had been shut down in California. So you couldn't use the pool. You couldn't use the club room. Um, in fact, I'm not sure if, if they're modifying it now. Um, but it was really a cause for more of these kind of outdoor spaces accessible because um, use them in a healthy way. Um, but I think, you know, in broader strokes, you know, once, once we're kind of through the COVID thing, once we've kind of figured it out, I think that there is 
a, a real need for human touch. You know, we've been oh, this closeness and we're human beings. Like we need that. It's like mm-hmm. the skin hunger I've, I've heard. Um, and so I think people are going to be really, um, really needing community more than ever. Technology really has come in um, to serve this sort of pseudo closeness, right? We're on Zoom right now. Yep. My six-year-old son takes class on Zoom. He's made friends on Zoom. Um, but I think that there's going to be a huge, a huge need when it's when it's safe to, of course, to to be back in in common spaces again. And um, I think that's really going to be celebrated in a, in a in a big way. And are you seeing the requests from whether it's uh, developers, uh, builders, people that you work with on the on the design side? Are you seeing, or can you can you speak to, you know, a year ago they wouldn't have asked me. For for this, or they wouldn't have brought this up. This is fundamentally different. Can you point into any significant things where that is really new or that is a direct response, whether positive or negative to the pandemic that we're all in? Yes, we're seeing larger uh, larger apartments. Um, we're seeing more outdoor uh, personal balcony spaces. Um, we're seeing more common outdoor spaces. Um, and I think for the most part, the, those have been like the three sort of big ones is just a little bit more kind of personal space and, and more safe communal space. But to be totally honest with you, my clients, I would say across the board, you know, they kind of uh, in a way echo what, what David was saying, which is, you know, this is going to pass. Um, but health, you know, the, the standard of health is something that we're going to retain that we won't be able to forget. So let's focus on, you know, our operations, like how we can clean better and how we can disinfect better and how we can, uh, you know, re- reassure our residents that um, health and, and cleanliness is, is being focused on more than just, you know, kind of flash in the pan, like exciting amenity thing. Um, we're kind of keeping with the same amenities that we always have. I want to tell you all a quick story and I want to get your response on this as it relates to your specific areas of business. Once upon a time, there was a family and they hired a great, this was 10 years ago, and they hired a famous, exciting, creative, dynamic interior designer to plan their new home. They bought land and they were planning it from scratch. And they got their plans and they built everything and they started working on their bathrooms and their bedrooms and their kitchens and everything else. And the interior designer, when asked about the outdoors, basically said, my job really stops at the patio door. For that, you need to talk to a landscaper, somebody else. I don't do that. I don't understand how it works. Depth, I don't understand about venting. I don't know about lights out there. It's really not my specialty. So I stop here. And this nice family has to now go and find another specialist to work with, hoping and praying for design and aesthetic and functional cohesion and realizing that it's kind of like having two different projects. Yet they don't see their lives as two different things. They see it as one home and the outdoor space is a room in said home. I think that today that is changing a lot, but I would like to understand from each of you how over the last 10 years or so, the definition, the importance of the investment in the meaning of outdoor space has changed, whether it's within your practice or as industry professionals, as you see in the industry and amongst your colleagues. And I think I'd like to start with David, please. Well, I've always been of the mind that it takes a village basically to, to do everything. I, I, I'm not so um, arrogant to think that I could design well an entire property. It takes an engineer and an architect and a landscape person and an interior designer to understand what, and this is true of both commercial and residential projects. Mm -hmm. It, It takes a crew of people 
and all the mechanical consultants and audiovisual consultants to really create an environment that is full sensory. So although most of the time we do a smaller portion of that, um, and by small, I don't necessarily mean that it's uh, not that's significant, but we do a part of it. We don't design the structure of the building. Hopefully, if we have the right team, then we're all involved in the same dialogue and we all have the same vision dialed in. Mm -hmm. If we can all agree on a vision, then I think it's to the ultimate benefit of the client because they'll end up with something where every detail, whether it's mechanical or uh, sensory has been considered and every detail is a very different outcome, I think, mm -hmm. than a project where, uh, and this frequently happens, uh, mm -hmm. it frequently happens when I'm working on spec houses, that the engineer actually did the architecture, designed the architecture, and there isn't mm -hmm. going to be a landscape person because they're not going to spend the money on that. So mm -hmm. a lot of what you see that's built in Los Angeles today in terms of uh, spec houses is being done by uh, the architecture is being done by an engineer and frequently the interior designer ends up deciding what the plant mix is going to be on the exterior. You don't get the, the very best outcome that way, but mm -hmm. um, I like the idea of being able to shift gears because if it was up to me and I could do it, I would want to, put my hands on every single aspect of the design. I'd want to design the doorknob and the forks and knives, as well as the interiors and the exterior spaces too. But right. it, it doesn't end up working that way practically. I think it takes a village. It's good if everybody contributes their role. And it's great when each person has the specialty that allows for an amazing result in the end. Thanks, David. And and to that point, or or shifting on that exact uh, on that exact theme to to Doug. Doug, the last comment you mentioned, um, air quality and ventilation being very much at the forefront of people's thinking now, whether that relates to virus or that idea around health. If you can jump in your time machine and go back ten or fifteen years to sitting in an envisioning session with one of your clients and the discussion or the definition around what the outdoor space is and can be, how is that different than it would be today? Well, I mean, in our particular or my particular career, it's, it's been part of what I've been doing. I mean, I know that maybe there's, you know, there's that, okay, don't intersect between designers. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. The compartmentalization of design as they call it. Um, because even talking to what David was talking about, the, the key to this whole discussion is bringing everyone together in the beginning. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it used to be, hey, somebody does a plan and then let's wait nine months or six months to bring an interior designer or a landscape architect says, no, 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 no. I mean, the most successful projects is when everyone is starting in the very first room, in the first, in the first meetings, and those are the most successful projects, even including who's building it. And so, so and, and that is I, very much reinforcing David's point about it takes a village. It takes areas of specialty, but working together with a common vision. Yeah, but the important thing is, is that you need to do it in the beginning. Okay, so that's, that's where, that's what has to happen. We insist on it and we ask, hey, who's doing these things? Who's making these decisions? We can do those, but I want to surround myself with the best people. I'm not saying I'm, I, you know, in the end, I'll do all I can do this, that and the other thing. We try, but some projects want to have that. We're doing a big hotel down in Palm Springs right now. We have a great team. I mean, it's so great because we meet every week, we talk and the client is smart. He's a design oriented client. He understands the details. He's not, you know, just zip <coughs> them out, do a quick job. He really appreciates the process. So you're investing in your team, do it in the beginning and that's set. I mean, to back to your question, though, about 15 years ago, I mean, 
I mean, I was working mostly, you know, like a lot of work in Mexico. So it was, it was the climate said indoor, outdoor. So we were actually doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's really part of what, why I think we're successful because we do think that way. Sure. And, but um, we've always had incredible people surrounding us, whether it's a mechanical engineer, interior designer, landscape architect, but it does start with the owner. Um, and if he's design oriented, then we're going to have a good project. Ariel, I want to talk, you know, Doug mentioned just now, you know, 15 years ago working in Mexico with indoor out being basically, you know, that is, that is the environment. I want to bring in the subject of technology and not necessarily in, I have a phone that can control my shade and my this, or I can turn on my fire feature with my, with my iPad. I want to, get a little bit more granular on technology and you mentioned a few minutes ago outdoor elements that you have added for example who would if I would have told you 15 years ago that there is outdoor Jenga you would have looked at me like I was coming from Jupiter you know the 10 years ago if I would have said a flat screen is going to emerge from your infinity pool and you're going to be able to watch a football game or whatever that may be, that would have been something like from the Jetsons. And you're probably a lot younger than me, but the Jets, anyway, I digress. How has the improvement or the movement in technology in materials, fabrics, uh, design elements, how has that allowed you as a designer working on larger, more community-inspired spaces that serve the greater good of a development, how has that helped you to offer a much wider array of possibilities to your clients? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really changed a lot, right, in the 15, past 15 years. Um, and it's funny because I am, I am not like, I'm a bit of a Luddite myself. Like I'm not a big like technology person, but we're all kind of like thrown into it. Um, and I think that, you know, going back to what, you know, Doug and, and David was saying is, is having the right team and working with great consultants who are at the edge of, you know, budding new technologies. Obviously, you know, in, in terms of fabrics and materials for outdoor use, that we've seen an explosion of more durable materials that are more long lasting, um, especially in the fabric world, you know, right. outdoor fabrics has been really, really challenging, but I, I feel like lately we've been kind of getting over that hump. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, lighting sound, um, having, being able to have like, a you know, an outdoor, you know, conference, like for, for officing purposes, um, we're really able to do so many things anywhere. Like I can, you know, I can order food. I can order um, my nails to be done. I can order a haircut. I can, I, I mean, it, and, and I don't know if this is a great thing or not, but we are becoming this very kind of immediate gratification um, type, uh, you know, it's a great I, immediate I think, gratification I, So I'd like to speak to that point because I think this is, this doesn't go just with the idea of design and space. I think this is a major and dynamic shift in consumer behavior. And I think for a long time, people did not necessarily invest in outdoor space because they didn't necessarily have the education, motivation, and inspiration to actually use it. So for a lot of times, and my greatest challenge in my business is that people see the outdoor kitchen as a barbecue. And it's far more than that in, in the way that we, we think about it. But 15 years ago, there wasn't as you say, premier food, wine, things that can be delivered that you could go on YouTube and take a class and learn how to make any recipe at a almost chef-like level. The, the access that people have today to creating wow factor in their homes, indoor and out, has never been as compelling as it is. So I think that beyond the design and appliances and, and countertop and fabric and lighting, all of those things being very important. I also think that the evolution of the consumer and realizing that the notion of a staycation or that cooking with your friends at home is as cool or cooler and more fun than going out to a restaurant, I think there's been a real change in our psychology, even pre-COVID. 
And I, this is really to all of you. I, and I'd love to get your thoughts on, on this. I think it's a very important part of this. You know, it's chicken and egg in, in many, many, in many ways. Well, I just wanted to add really quick visibility through social media has completely changed the game. You know, and we, we study a lot uh, of what you know, the millennial market is wanting, you know, because they really are going to be, uh, you know, are, are, well, they are, are, are one of our major consumers now. Um, and it's really about, uh, a global awareness. Um, and it, like you said, access and visibility, it, it's, it's everything right now. It's absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. David, I your think an interesting on, on question, question, an interesting question to consider is one thing is what were we doing 15 years ago and how is that different from today? I think that's going to jump so dramatically 15 years ahead because if we're talking about what are we going to be doing differently 15 years from now, I think we're just at that crossroads where technology has really taken over everyone's life. It's really dictating what is possible and not possible about how we're experiencing our daily lives. So I don't think we were as governed by technology 15 years ago as we are today. And I think 15 years from now, it's going to be very different. What's that going to make possible for outdoor environments? I did a talk about when I was really just getting started and and I was probably underqualified, honestly, for the speaking engagement that I was asked to do. And I I spoke at the Chicago Casual Living Show to a 200-person room about outdoor appliances and outdoor kitchens. And the subject of technology and this is to your point about where are we going 15 years from now and at that point there was a big big push from a number of the appliance manufacturers on smart grills that would tell you on your phone when to flip your steak when it was going to be ready the optimal temperature this so like use your phone and everything's going to come out perfect (laughs) and i took a stance and i was not a popular guy in that room because you know three very senior people from three of the biggest and most well-known outdoor appliance brands happen to be in the room. And I said, I think there's going to be very minimal success in this category. I think that this is an area when someone steps outside, I think there is something to be said about turning off. And it doesn't mean I'm not listening to music and I don't have my phone in my pocket, but there is a a disconnect that is naturally happening. And I think that the outdoors... I called that sort of thing, and I may be wrong 15 years from now, but I think that there's going to be as much as technology increases. I also think the notion of technology creating simplicity is going to be a very interesting and overwhelming arch on on it. I completely agree with that. Somewhere we're going to find the happy medium between mindfulness and virtual reality. And I don't think it's we're going to allow ourselves to be completely taken over by technology, which yeah. is going to make the whole idea of the experience of outdoor spaces so much more valuable, really. So since speaking to that, and I'm glad you bring that up, about again, on the technology side, last Sunday morning, I was driving and it was snowing as usual here in, in this time of year. And I was driving to Costco and it happens to be about 10 minutes from my house. And I passed a shipping yard where they stock and store shipping containers, six, seven of them up in the air. It's like, it's incredible. And Doug, I thought about you because here is someone who is putting out something of this size and saying, this is the new definition of the size of your home. And really Mm -hmm. proclaiming that you can live in something that is the size of a shipping container and have joyous experience because it's not necessarily about the size, it's about the design and the overall. So in talking about technology, Doug, you have effectively taken something. Remember that scene from Zoolander when he brings the example of the the house and it's this tiny little thing? You've done that, whether by design or by inventing and tweaking and reinventing. I think that's a great example of use of technology is shrinking the footprint, but maximizing or oversizing the experience. Well, what's happened is that, you know, even when people are, you know, I think all our world, we're talking about the word downsizing and 
it's true. I mean, people think that they need to have a 10,000 square foot house, even as their kids move away. Um, so it's really, we, we have this discussion in our lessons. Wouldn't you rather have like a really great 2,500, 3,000 square foot house? And then let's go outside and really create some great spaces. And, you know, cause people equate the price of a house to the price per square foot. And it's not getting any lower because there's so much technology in these houses now and these projects. And, and that's great um, to have up to a point and, and the smart home thing, but we're actually, we're trying to almost get away from that because sometimes it just, it, it just overwhelms you. It's like, I can't even, you know, like something is you just visit a home and your guest visit, they can't even turn on a switch or something because they don't have a manual. So we're trying to get people to think about it as smaller than spend the money than all on this outside because a lot, it was the forgotten world before it was like, Oh no, we got to finish the house and we'll do the outside later. Yes. So we have to do it in, in the beginning and less, we can even talk about phasing this project. Maybe you can only afford so much now, but at least put it in the master plan. We always tell clients, build a master plan, show the, where's the guest house, where's this outdoor, where you might have a pool, might have these things. You can't afford them necessarily now, but let's plan them out. Where are they going to go? Think about all your, planning and so you, you can get all your utilities and all this stuff in i think this downsizing is here to stay it's it's something that makes sense it's it's something to me that that's the way to go and then the technology part when you think about it too we dave was just mentioning it like you know it's such like okay if you go to the office or used to go to the office like a lot of technology there schools mm -hmm. nowadays they're just like cramming our kids with you know we got to have the computer you know in kindergarten and so, you know, when you come home, that's kind of like, let's get back to the basics. I think there's so many homeowners now that they're, 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 they don't want the technology to overwhelm. It's the, it's the typical, you know, four people sitting at a dinner table and all they're doing is looking at their phones, right? Yep. I think we actually are going to get away from that. And, and I'm not a social media company, but all I know is that people want to go back to the basics. They want to have a conversation. And we actually had to do that during COVID, right? We had to talk yep. to people more. So sure um, that was just one of the things. But I'm seeing the downsizing. I'm seeing now it's naturally going to go outside. And that's where we're, we're promoting. The fact that you said master plan and do things, even if you're going to phase it for time, for budget, for whatever those things, I cannot tell you all how often, and I'm not talking once in a while, multiple times a week, we have clients from across North America calling or emailing about a kitchen design and want a sink and want natural gas and want these types of things. And when we ask the question, do you have water? Do you have drainage? And they say, no, because no one ever told me. And now they're either sacrificing or they're digging up and spending a whole lot more than they would have if they had done a proper master plan. So Doug, to your point, the great piece of advice we always have, and we try to tell our retail dealers this is, at least tell them put in the roughs, at least tell them to plan for what can come because the incremental cost of doing it once you're already on site, afterwards you're ripping up, it's just a mess. And that to me is one of the great disservices to the consumer when they're design professionals and David coming back to your point of it takes a village, when there isn't enough early on design and specialist cohesion to inform the consumer ahead of time of what they should do now so they can grow and phase naturally. And I think that's a really important point to bring up because I see it every single week. Right. I want to leave with this. And I know that you and I, and none of us have crystal balls, but if I were to ask you over the next year, two, three, five, what do you see as coming in outdoor space activation, outdoor space uh, request need? What do you see as this industry unfolding and emerging as the historic 2.0 or 3.0 of the phase and of the plan to now being right up there with an indoor kitchen and a dining room and, and a living room and things like that? What are your predictions for this for this industry? And I won't hold you to it, but I'd love to know. Uh, whoever wants to go, David. I think one of the things that uh, people talk about a lot is 
especially with millennials, and we see that um, millennials were not buying houses as much and wanted to spend some of that discretionary money on experiences. And I think that's where we're all at right now because we're having experience deprivation. So I think that's the, it's, you know, it's in the zeitgeist, like what do I want to experience next when I can go somewhere again? Mm-hmm. Or what do I want to experience if I'm limited to, to my own backyard? So that said, I think we're going to be looking at different ways that people can experience that same space. So you already installed your outdoor kitchen, you got a killer barbecue, you have a nice pool, you can work outside in the shade, um, you can play outside. Sleeping outside is one of the things that we get asked for occasionally. It's kind of a funny thing. Uh, yeah. In Santa Barbara, you know, there was a certain point in time when where they were building on big estates, they were building sleeping rooms, which were screened in porches. So how do we experience more things that we like to do typically inside? How do we experience those things outside? What that looks like, I don't know exactly what people are gonna ask for, but I know they're gonna ask to experience more things in their outdoor spaces than they could before. And can I add on to that? Um, Please, of course. It's funny you mentioned that, because just yesterday I have a client from Montecito in Santa Barbara area and they love to camp. And so they're, they want to yeah. do that outdoor sleeping experience. You know, if you're from the South, you appreciate a screen porch because of the insects, right? But yeah. in California, we're lessing on insects. But it's more just the experience. And it's it's something that is like, who would have thought, okay, we're going to do a, a, make it like a camping site within your yard. I mean, yeah. you know, that's why you go away to a national park, you know, to do that. But it's a great it's example. Best, yeah. And it, it, it's just trying to find this out and, you know, our job as a designer to kind of like, you know, uh, ideas are free until we have to build them. Uh, that's I say that a lot um, because that's what you have to do. They're relying on us to come up with, hey, have you thought about this or what about this? And even if they have a lot of ideas, we but they look into us as designers um, that we have experiences and one day we'll travel again and we're going to continue our experiences. Right. Um, right. as we all like to do. But that's just one thing that I, I noticed too. And it's funny you mentioned it, David. And Ariel, in your world of, you know, focused in multifamily, what is the, what's next? What is, if you had a vision board and could say, even if the technology doesn't exist today, and I'm a dreamer, what are, what are the outdoor spaces of the future that you would love to be able to bring to your projects and, and, and your clients? You know, I, I really want to, I really want to imagine this, this hybrid model, right? That uh, we have learned in this past year things that we've never learned before, you know? Um, and, and I want to be able to take those things that we've learned and choose the ones that were, choose the, the good things out of them. You know, like, I don't think this past year has been all bad. I think there's been some some good highlights that we can pick out and say, okay, you know what, that is working. Like, let's use that. Um, I guess some good examples is, you know, my team, you know, we've been working remotely since March and uh, we've figured it out and people like working remotely. Um, They can spend more time with their kids and their cats and their dogs and they don't have to drive forever. And so our hybrid model for working when we come back is we're going to have like a jewel box, basically a conference room with a library that you will be able to have client meetings and we'll be able to meet in smaller teams or all together, maybe a month, every month. But we're taking all the good things that we experienced over this past year and and projecting them into the future. And when I think of multifamily, you know, I think that a lot of things that we talked about today, health, you know, outdoor spaces, um, bringing community, like bringing community back together, all of those things are going to be really, really important in, in looking to the future. And I, I also I echo the sentiment that I think that, um, People are going to be wanting smaller spaces, um, less stuff, more experience, less baggage. Um, you know, freedom is really a word that's coming forward to me. It's like 
I want to be free to travel wherever I want, um, have, you know, the income to buy the cool thing to, you know, invest in my child's future. Um, I want it all. And I think a lot of people feel that way, right? It's like, I don't want to make any sacrifices. Like I want to do it all. And we can, when we are downsizing, right? If we're not, I mean, some of us can afford a 10,000 square foot house, but, <laughs> yep. um, but I think for the, like the general masses, right. Is this consciousness of, um, you know, I've, I've sacrificed a lot of experiences this year. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to go and, and do it. I'm just going to do it all. You know, I know right. for me, I'm not going to stop traveling. <laughs> well, I, um, I want to close with this. First of all, you know, beyond the standard, thank you. And of course I thank you. I I can tell you that for myself and for Urban Bonfire, um, as a result of the questions and the answers and your, your, what you have each talked about today, I am smarter and I am better equipped to add value to my clients as a result. So I thank you immensely. uh, And I don't say that lightly. Um, I will also say to you, I think that Josh did a phenomenal job putting this group together because in my research and looking at your projects, there was one common thread that I can really that I can really put my finger on is that each of you in your own ways are risk takers. And there is not conformity based simple design. It is evident that boundaries have been pushed, whether it's in in lighting, in space, in amenities, in, in things that you have brought. So I I I deeply respect each of you and what you do. And I thank you very much. I think that whoever chooses to invest this hour and listen to this episode, if they are anywhere involved in outdoor space activation, consumer, retail dealer, designer, or other will be far smarter than they were an hour before on this subject. So I thank you all very much for your investment of time. I'll send it back to uh, to Josh for closing. And, and again, I uh, I sincerely appreciate this uh, this hour of your time. Thank you. Thank you, Ariel, Doug, David, and Ryan. Great work. It boggles the mind to think about what is possible with outdoor spaces today, and even more so, what will be available when the global supply chain catches up with our pent-up demand. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your partnership, and thank you for listening. Without you, there is no joy for me in doing this. You are appreciated. My hope is to bring you inspiration and sublime design through these conversations, to give you that extra push to be the most creative designer you can possibly be. I think we did that here. So please make sure you are subscribing to the show so you don't miss a single episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at Convo by Design with an X and uh, check us out at convobydesign.com. Be well, and remember to take today first. Mm-hmm.